Star Wars 7x7 episode 2308. Well, it seems the planet Navarro has a long and difficult history with the Empire, and we're going to learn more about that today. Navarro, of course, is the home of the Bounty Hunters Guild and where the Mandalorian's base of operations previously was before everything went down toward the end of the season. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So before we get too far, I want to give you a heads up that as far as the Mando Mondays thing goes, there was one thing I forgot to tell you about and at least one thing that I missed that thankfully a couple of friends of the show were kind enough to point out and I think it's pretty cool and want to share it with you too, so we'll get to those a little bit later. Today we are continuing our deeper dive, if you will, into details from season one of The Mandalorian, and in particular considering The Reckoning, which is episode seven from season one. I'll remind you briefly that this is the episode where The Mandalorian gets a transmission from Grief Karga, who offers him a deal and says, if you kill the client for me and basically overthrow Imperial rule on the planet, then I will forgive you your trespassing of the Bounty Hunter Code and everything will go back to normal. Isn't that great? And of course, nothing goes as planned. Surprise, surprise. And we have the first genuine cliffhanger in Mandalorian show history at the end of episode seven, where it turns out that things are a lot worse with this Imperial occupation than Grief Cargo was suggesting to the Mandalorian. And Baby Yoda falls into enemy hands and Queel is killed by scout troopers. I have to say that was the toughest death. Like I feel so bad for Queel and I'm actually angry again at the Mandalorian for dragging him into this. Like, you know, it was just one of those things where he was an utter innocent that did very good things for, you know, just the desire for peace in the galaxy. And it's a shame that he died and I'm mad the Mandalorian dragged him into it, which ultimately is the mark of a good show and good storytelling because if it didn't get that emotional <laughs> reaction, then, you know, what's the point? Then we'd be like, eh, whatever. I mean, that's not nearly as compelling or as involving, right? All right, so as we've discussed in previous episodes, we still don't know yet exactly where in the galaxy Navarro is, but it's reasonable to presume that it is somewhere near Mandalore because of the fact that Moff Gideon is ruling the area, including Navarro, and is in possession of the Darksaber. So it stands to reason that it's somewhere in the neighborhood. That being said, the history of Navarro, according to Cara Dune, who is recruited also for this mission by the Mandalorian, is that Navarro stayed in the Empire's hands till the end of the war, which means it went beyond Return of the Jedi and toward the Battle of Jakku, right? And the Galactic Concordance that was signed shortly afterward. So it was in Imperial hands and apparently the New Republic tried to take it away from the Empire, but had a bear of a time at it. There were a lot of drop troopers, shock troopers who were killed trying to take Navarro because it is very well dug in. But it seems that once the Republic defeated the Empire on Navarro, they just took off. That there is no New Republic presence on Navarro to speak of. In fact, earlier in the season when the Mandalorian is upset about there being Imperials on Navarro, Grief Karga says, you know, you can just go to Coruscant and take it up with the New Republic. Why would he have to go all the way to Coruscant to deal with the New Republic on this? Well, 
for a start, because the New Republic isn't on Navarro, right? So that's number one. And number two, the New Republic doesn't have a significant presence on the Outer Rim at this time, which means that it is in the hands of warlords and imperial remnants and other, you know, lawless situations. But here's the big question. If Navarro was a strategic enough point for the New Republic to work to get the Empire out of there, then why aren't they still there? Why don't they have some sort of presence there? And why haven't they moved on to Mandalore? I mean, certainly the Mandalorians have a history of siding with some pretty bad folks, whether it was the Separatists or the Shadow Collective or the Empire. And yeah, maybe they didn't side with them, right? But they were certainly associated with them. And there were a lot of Mandalorians who were working with the Empire, not opposing them. And yet, and yet, there was also a significant Mandalorian presence working against the Empire as well. Whatever was going on, though, it seems like it was genocidal for the Mandalorians because you don't see them around anymore. There have been many comments throughout the season talking about how rare it is to see a Mandalorian. And it seems like the defeat of the Empire in Navarro opened up the possibility for Mandalorians to go into hiding on Navarro. We don't know how long they've been there, but that certainly seems like a reasonable possibility that that would be sort of an escape hatch for them. But why the New Republic hasn't moved on Mandalore, why it seems that there is a moth in charge of Mandalore five years after the events of Return of the Jedi, well, that is a huge question that needs to be answered. So that's what we know about the history of Navarro and also what we can make educated guesses about as far as Navarro and the rest of what's going on in the Parsec, as the client calls it. And as far as side notes from the episode, well, we see the force choke ability from Baby Yoda in this episode, which is generally considered a dark side force ability. So isn't that interesting that all aspects of the force seem to be available to him at this point? He is healed. He has used telekinesis. And force choking, I guess, would be a form of telekinesis, except that it's always been defined as a particular kind of force power and definitely associated with dark side users. And I will also say that I still think Grief Karga saying he's trying to eat me when Baby Yoda comes up to heal him after that you know, crazy pterodactyl attack is <laughs> still the funniest moment of the season for me. All right, so about those two other things from Mando Mondays that I mentioned at the top of the show, get to that in just a second. Do want to quickly remind you, please, if you haven't done it yet, rate or review or both the show on iTunes if you're listening on iTunes. And thank you so much to everyone who's done it just over the history of the show as well as this month as I've been actively asking for it. I really appreciate your support. It helps more people find Star Wars 7x7 when they're looking for that daily dose of Star Wars joy in iTunes podcasts and Apple podcasts, whatever they're calling it. Now they keep changing the name. They've changed it, I think, like three times since I started the show, which is ridiculous. But... Be that as it may, thank you again for considering the possibility of rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. I really appreciate your support. So, as far as things I missed talking about on the show yesterday about Mando Mondays, well, uh, my friends Josh and Andy from the Hollow Chronicles podcast, which is a toy collecting podcast, pointed out a couple of things. First of all, they mentioned that the Lego Razor Crest has an escape pod in it, so that whole escape pod business was a known quantity thing, which is cool. And they also pointed out that the Funko Pop for Cara Dune features a crest on her outfit, on her uniform, and it looks sort of vaguely like a Rebellion slash New Republic symbol, but not quite. 
It's like the little, you know, point at the top of the center spike is separated from it. And it looks like there's sort of a second layer to the, you know, bottom swoop of it. So yeah, it's unusual. And I went looking for Star Wars symbols online and spent a good while poking through Pinterest boards and Google image search results and whatnot. And I'm not seeing it. So it seems to be something that's new in Wikipedia as well. And the thing that I had up on my screen and just missed getting to was the armor. So there's an action figure for the armor and there's a description for her as well. It says she plays a vital role in keeping the culture of the Mandalorians alive and that she forges Beskar armor in the ancient tradition of her people. And that's kind of referred to as well in episode seven in Reckoning when Werner Herzog, the client, sees the Mandalorian being brought in, quote unquote, captured, and admires the handiwork with his new armor, the new, ar to him, armor, right? And is actually kind of lovingly stroking it, lovingly strokes the helmet. Werner Herzog is just such a treasure for this whole show. It's been fantastic. I'm so sorry that he gets laid to waste by Moff Gideon at the end of this episode. It's a shame. All right, so that is going to do it with our deeper dive into episode seven from season one, The Reckoning, and that is going to do it for this episode of the show here as well. Thank you so much for joining me for it as always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.